0: Hello and welcome to Gilmore Ball Z, the podcast where I show my wife Dragon Ball Z, she shows me Gilmore Girls, and we both try to find some kind of common ground. I'm Grant. And I'm Paige. And this week we watched episode 46 of Dragon Ball Z Kai, and season 2, episode 17 of Gilmore Girls. And uh, we're actually in a new recording location this week, we just moved into a new apartment and moved states, so... If the acoustics are a little weird in this episode... And we're for the figuring next, it out. Yeah, we're figuring it out. So so be a little patient with our audio quality over the next few episodes while we figure out where the best place in the apartment is to record and all that good stuff. Also, I'm still getting over an illness, so I'm sorry if I... An
1: illness. An
0: illness. A it's grave cold. illness. But it's not that bad. But most importantly is it's it lived bad. in my throat for a while, so if I sound a little funny, please bear with me. Um, yes, so as I said, we watched episode 46... Of Dragon Ball Z Kai. So Paige, what happened this week on episode 46 of Dragon Ball Z Kai?
1: Ah, uh, Goku made big ball, nothing go boom. <laughs> um, to, to give the longer version, Goku is beaten down by Frieza. Uh, Frieza just shoot, keeps shooting little finger lasers at him, and apparently this is enough to almost take Goku out. Uh, so Goku decides that it is time to pull out the last stop and attack with a spirit bomb. Uh, for those of you from the Go Gilmore Girls side, or those of you who have just been a while, uh, Spirit Bomb is when Goku gathers energy from life forms around him, whatever energy they have that he can borrow, and turns it into a giant energy weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, in another show, or if it was used by another person, this would be displayed as something that's highly disturbing and unethical, but since Goku's doing it, it's fine. Uh, I mean, he asks. He, that's that's not here or there. Uh, what is here or there is that he keeps gathering power, and there's not enough on the planet Namek, so he gathers more and more, even from other parts of the universe. And thankfully, Frieza has not noticed it, despite it being a 450-foot wide sphere. It was called 150 yards. That's well,
0: 400... was, I think he said 50. It's, oh. it's, it's real big.
1: It's real big. Maybe it was just 150 feet. Anyway, big. Gohan and Krillin and Piccolo talking a lot about how big this giant ball of light in the sky is. And so, while F- Goku's letting himself get beat up by Frieza, he's gathering energy, and he's trying to get as much time as he can to gather energy. This includes Piccolo like, going in and trying to take the fall for him, trying to sacrifice himself. Um, and when the episode ends... Frieza has figured out what's going on. The jig is up. He knows there's a giant energy ball, but Piccolo's still trying to distract him for long enough for Goku to gather all the power he needs. So, as I said, Goku, make big ball, nothing, go boom.
0: That's an accurate accurate summation of the episode, yes.
1: Yeah, so what happened on Gilmore Girls?
0: Uh, this week on Gilmore Girls was a little scattered, so... The main plot of the episode was that Luke's uncle, Louie, died. It was his, his father's brother, and he'd lived in Star's Hollow most of his life, but he'd retired to Florida. And so Luke was in charge of organizing the funeral, making sure everything was done the way he wanted it, and specifically the way that Luke's dad wanted it. And we've established previously that Luke was very close to his dad, really respected his dad, and his dad dying seems to have messed him up a little bit, even though we get the vibe it was a while ago. So Luke is really committed to making sure that his Uncle Louis's funeral is respectable, because when his dad was dying, he told Luke, hey, when your Uncle Louis goes, make sure it's like this. So he wants everybody to show up, he wants, you know, a whole proper funeral... He wants, you know, uh, his Uncle Louie fought in World War II, so he wants the war reenactors from Stars Hollow to come out and give him a proper military send-off. It's a whole thing. So this is great, and, and it's it, but it's tying Luke up a lot, so Lorelai and Rory end up helping out a lot around the diner, which uh, is just sort of an excuse to have Lorelai in a lot of these scenes to keep that plot moving forward. So Lorelai and Rory are helping out around the diner, and most notably, Jess isn't really pitching in any extra. And so Rory is doing a lot of, uh, nagging Jess and, and dragging him by the ear from across town or whatever to get him to come help, when Luke's really slammed at the diner. So, eventually it comes out that, like, nobody in Luke's family wants to attend, just everybody has some BS excuse. Uh, like, Jess's mom isn't even returning Luke's calls, just whatever. Nobody wants to show up to this guy's funeral. And then the World, the uh, the Revolutionary War reenactors in town even say they don't want to go to his funeral, because apparently Uncle Louie was kind of a dick. Not
1: he was, kind of.
0: He was mean to everybody around town. He, like, stole Halloween candy from children. He kicked Kirk's dog.
1: And stole Halloween candy from little Kirk.
0: Yeah, yeah and stole like Halloween Kirk. candy from little Kirk, and, like, was hitting on people's wives, and smoking cigars all the time, and was just generally a really mean, rotten, grumpy old man who nobody wanted to be around. So nobody wants to go to his funeral. And it quickly kind of crystallizes for Luke that Louis is sort of his future, because they specifically say that Louis was, never participated in any town functions, never married, never had kids, he was just a grumpy, lonely man. And that really hits home for Luke. And at the same time, he's had the body flown up from Florida to a funeral home in Hartford, and Louie wanted so much of his stuff packed into the casket with him that the casket won't close. Like, all of his baseball cards, all of his 10,000 baseball cards, and a fo- like a bowling trophy, and a an signed football, and just all this random crap that, you know obviously it meant something to him in life but some people might have wanted those things but no he just wants it all for himself and luke kind of flips out and says you know what fine whatever dump him dump him in a in a in a grave i don't care just do whatever and he storms out he's he's just worried that that's going to be him and he comes to his senses later and like goes to like a big and tall casket and gets like a t- casket for a larger man so that he can fit everything and give his uncle a proper funeral like his dad wanted and it ends up being just Lorelai and Luke at this guy's funeral. Luke confides in in Lorelai and asks like is do you think this is going to be me? And Lorelai says, "No, absolutely not. You you made me a hoopla for my wedding. You show up and help me with stuff around the town or around the house all the time." You you made Rory a special coffee cake for her birthday. And you did all of this stuff for your mean old uncle because of what your dad wanted. Like, you... Maybe you're a bit of a curmudgeon and you live alone and all that stuff. But you're fundamentally a, a nice, good person.
1: Also, you took in your nephew.
0: Also, you took in your nephew. Like, you, you're a fundamentally nice and good person who does nice and good things, even if you're a grump about it. You're not going to end up like your Uncle Louie. So... As they're having this conversation, then the, the war reenactors do end up showing up and doing their proper salute with a sad little trumpet that doesn't quite make the right noise because it's still a Star's Hollow war reenactor. And uh, when they get back to the diner, there's a whole spread of a, this really nice spread of food of wake that they've put on for Louie. And everyone's gathering around and telling their, their stories about Louie. But of course, Louie was an asshole, so they're all just stories about how Louie was an asshole. And uh, Rory kind of is like, the, oh, Jess, you did this, didn't you? And he's like, no, I just unlocked the door for Miss Patty. She's the one who did this. yeah And and Rory's like, okay, but you're still an official part of the town now because you participated. Ha, ha, ha. And that was pretty much the Rory plot in this episode. Rory was kind of a, an accessory in this episode. That was the A plot. The B plot was that we were reminded of the fact that Stuky and Jackson are engaged. And so uh, there's like... There's a whole thing where Emily was over at the inn because, remember, the DAR meetings are at the inn now tasting soups or whatever, and then Emily found out that Suki's throwing a wedding, and Emily sunk her claws into it and just convinced Suki into planning this gigantic, elaborate wedding with papier-mâché mushrooms and little people dressed as angels dancing under the mushrooms and all kinds of ridiculous, elaborate crap. That's just not Suki at all. Like it's fun and whimsical, like Suki, but it they you know they were planning on just doing a cheap, classy, simple wedding, and now it's gone crazy out of hand. And so Jackson confides in Lorelei and says, "Hey, what happened? This is ridiculous. What do I do?" And Lorelai talks Suki out of it. So then Suki then turns around and tells Emily, "Hey, this is great, but I don't want any of it." And so then Emily turns around to Lorelei and says, "Oh, you had her get rid of me." And Lorelai confronts us and says, look, you you weren't trying to plan her wedding. You were trying to plan my wedding because you've accepted that I'm never going to let you plan my wedding and you want to plan a wedding. And she denies it. Uh, But then needles Lorelai about like, oh, but you, you know, are going to marry Luke someday. Oh, you like Luke. Ha ha ha. And that was that thing. That was a B plot. Cool. And then we had a really weird C plot where it was a Taylor plot. Because Taylor deserves his own plots now, apparently. Where a farmer's market moved in across the street from Dosey's market and is taking all of his customers. And this is infuriating to him. And then the guy who opened the market moves on because it's just a pop-up thing that he does with his vegetable garden to make money to travel. So, Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was interesting that this episode was, instead of a Lorelai and a Rory plot, was like three town vignettes from various inhabitants of Dementia Town.
0: Yeah. Ca- yeah. So there's the
1: Luke plot, the Suki plot. Suki the plot. Yeah, 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 yeah. No,
0: I, I see what you're saying. It, but it wasn't quite, you know, 12 short films about Springfield or whatever no. that episode's called. However many short films about Springfield.
1: No.
0: Both in, in style and in quality. Um, and yeah, that was what happened this week on Gilmore Girls.
1: What did you think of this episode of Gilmore Girls? I I have a feeling it's not going to be good.
0: Uh, I mean, the main Luke plot I liked. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, it was a little bit by the numbers, but it worked, and and I like when Lorelai and Luke get to sort of interact with each other on a more emotional level and a less just bantery. Make me coffee. Ha ha. You drink too much. Ba- you know, level. I like when they get to dig into the emotions. <laughs> you drink
1: too much sounds a little darker than you meant. <laughs> too much coffee.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I like when they get to dig into their emotions a little bit more. So that was nice. I felt like all of the other conflicts in this episode just felt really half-formed. Like, the Rory and Jess thing felt like someone took a a, a different, one of the earlier Rory-Jess episodes and, like, fed it through Google Translate until it was unrecognizable. Because it was just like, Jess, do a good thing. No. Jess, do a good thing. No. Oh, Jess, you did the good thing. No, I didn't. Oh, roll credits. Like, uh, Rory and Jess both felt like they didn't really fit in this episode. And the Suki plot felt also really half-formed. Because it was like, Suki's going crazy with the wedding. But Jackson doesn't like it. So Suki changes everything back. The end. Like, it was was the very stripped-down, bare basics of an episode plot. Without any actual complications. And just like, oh, okay, that happened. And then they tried to make it a Lorelai Emily thing at the end, of like, no mom, you were trying to plan my wedding. But then Emily has the very reasonable response of, No, if I were planning your wedding, it would be like this, 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 and this. Yeah. The wedding I planned for Suki was very much a Suki wedding. I wouldn't have giant paper mache mushrooms at your wedding. Are you crazy? And then the dose the Taylor Dosey plot just sort of didn't do anything. It just kind of happened. I don't know. It it felt like in the ancillary plots, half of the cast was aware they were in an episode of Gilmore Girls and the other half of the cast wasn't. Like Jess didn't get the memo he was supposed to do a nice thing at the end of the episode and Emily didn't get the memo that it was supposed this was supposed to actually be about Lorelai. Like, nobody told her that this was her episode. So she was just doing her thing. I was like, oh, shit, was I supposed to be planning Lorelai's wedding? No, I was planning a Suki wedding. Should I have planned a Lorelai wedding? Oh, you're right, that would have worked much better. And Amy Sherman Palladino was like, damn it, Emily! Like, this that's what it felt like. So, I don't know. It just kind of, like, it felt like they had a really good idea for a core Lorelai and Luke plot. And then they just kind of padded it out with stuff that was
1: like, this kind of works, I guess. It's, and so we're, so we're going through our moving boxes now. They finally arrived. And it is kind of funny what we were doing in our moving haze where it's like, I have this box and it's labeled food processor and I open it up and indeed there is a food processor and there's like five pairs of your boxers and then there's like-
0: Yeah, inside the food processor. Like you, you stuffed the food processor with my underwear, uh, you know, so now the audience is thinking about my underwear- but so we,
1: we've washed it thoroughly before anyone else like both the underwear and the food processor before they were used again but then like also there's like half of our shoe rack and like a couple of the spices and like a video game
0: <laughs> yeah the food processor some underwear half a shoe rack uh, some 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 cumin and beautiful joe too
1: <laughs> and taylor Dosey's vegetable market
0: yeah so I, I see what you're getting at this very much felt like that episode we're like uh we gotta kind of uh, uh, fuck it just put just slap a box on it slap, slap some tape on it ship it off it's an episode fuck you <laughs> we're getting close to the end of the season we don't know what to do here you wanted more more suki here's your precious fucking melissa mccarthy and they put it on a plate for us but
1: they didn't put any dean in it
0: no um so structurally it was all over the place That said, there was a lot the individual comedy, there were a lot of parts where I did laugh. I really like the cold open where it's just Emily leaving repeated messages on Lorelei's answering machine and Lorelai's responding to them like they're having the actual argument in person. And it just kinda shows how rote their interactions are, was really funny. And uh, just the sad (laughs) the sad trumpet at Louie's funeral, I don't know why it got me so much, but I laughed really, really hard at that. So the individual comedy was good the banter was good Taylor being just flabbergasted it was good but the whole time I was just kind of like what what is happening here what am I supposed to I don't know it was it was it was very scattered when we've had a, a run of very tightly written episodes this kind of felt like a misstep it kind of fell apart yeah Uh, so, what did you think of this week's Dragon Ball Z Kai? I know it will probably be similar.
1: Oh, buddy, you tried. You really did. Toriyama, Toriyama gave it his best this episode. I was gonna say, this is
0: not as bad as some of the other Only Punching episodes. he
1: just couldn't quite get there. Like... Goku says repeatedly in this episode that if he can't get the spirit bomb big enough, then it won't do anything and all the efforts will be wasted. Toriyama's spirit bomb was not big enough and all of his efforts were wasted. There were a couple of moments where it could have been more. There was one moment when Goku was gathering the energy for the spirit bomb, and it was a little bit like if Miyazaki had done like a lower quality Enya video when he had given up all his ideas of, about oh, how mean, war is bad oh you
0: mean just the 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 shots of the wilderness yeah the giving wilderness off their energy and the like, different planets like the
1: sparkles and like the singing in the background oh yeah there was the singing there was the singing in the background that was just like this like uh, it was supposed to be kind of spiritual kind of naturey singing Yeah, so, I mean, like, if it had been a Miyazaki movie, obviously it would have ended with the spirits of the forest, you know, crying out at the pollution and war, but here it descends in more explosions. But it just didn't work. It was just such a weird tonal shift, and it wasn't high quality. It was just kind of weird. Well, then when they go to the,
0: when when he's like, oh, it's not enough, I gotta borrow from the neighboring planets. And they go to the neighboring planets, and then there's just this weird, like, kind of marsy looking planet with this weird little blue dinosaur thing that sounds like, looks like a toxic moss. I was like, oh, that's kind of an interesting place. What's going on here?
1: You'll never know. Well, and the other thing that he did is he almost had a really cool reversal. At the end of this episode, Goku is saving up the spirit bomb to attack Frieza, and Piccolo is trying to buy him time by attacking him. This could be a really good reversal of the Raditz fight. Oh,
0: we could have had Piccolo grab Frieza. I'm like, do it, Goku. Yeah. yeah.
1: If Frieza hadn't seen the spirit bomb and he just said do it and he was able to sacrifice himself in the way that Goku had sacrificed himself for him, that would have been awesome. But no, Frieza sees it, and now I don't even know why Piccolo's still fighting... Like, he's still fighting with Frieza to save time, but if Frieza wasn't an idiot, he would just, like, laser Goku in the face quicker. Like, now, it's, it's all that pressure building, and then being, like, just not even popped like a balloon, because that would be exciting, but it's like the slow air let out of the air mattress somewhere in the middle of the night, and you're like, you wake up, you're on the floor... A lot of my metaphors are shaped by moving, guys. You wake up in the morning, you're on the floor, and you're just like, oh, I guess that happened. (laughs) Gotta get a new air mattress now. That'll be another six episodes. Although I will say that
0: uh, if Piccolo sacrificed himself here, then it would be Piccolo sacrifices himself to save Gohan, is immediately revived, and then immediately sacrifices himself again. There are
1: reasons why the arc... The larger arc would have issues, but I think that reversal and that foiling would be cool, but those aren't really the level that Toriyama thinks on.
0: Not usually, no. Yeah.
1: So, it went so far, and it got so high, but in the end, it doesn't even matter.
0: <laughs> now, that, the fact that you said that is funny for two reasons. One, that's not the lyric. Oh, well. And two, the first part of episode 60 of Dragon Ball Z abridged just came out, and they made that exact same joke.
1: Because it's right!
0: (laughs) Obviously about later in the show. (laughs) But (laughs) but Cell makes that exact same joke to Gohan, so I am laughing because you just inadvertently made a reference. Yeah, okay, I think that's fair. Um, I have to say I did really, I, I was amused by the fact that, uh, Goku was able to turn it into a legitimate bluff against Frieza to just stand there with his arms up in the air and that does baffle Frieza so much that was fun. That it does buy him time like at the beginning of the episode I was like right this is how this part of the fight goes this is really dumb but then in practice I was like no actually that's perfect Frieza is so convinced by his own intellect that something that simple would bamboozle him because he overthinks everything
1: so that leads into one of my questions
0: okay hit me your questions
1: Frieza is a master of battle. Theoretically. Theoretically. And one of the elements of battle is having awareness of your surroundings. So how does he miss a 150-foot wide glowing ball in the sky that definitely isn't the sun, even though he for some reason thought it was the sun? Because He's like, oh, that's not the sun. It's like, no, of course not. Well, that's not a Frieza voice, but (laughs) of course that's not the sun. Why would that be the sun that hasn't been there before? Like, did you not have any condition like he's a man who travels from planet to planet you'd think he would like it would serve him well to know what was going on in the planet and also see when a giant energy ball is hanging in the sky
0: so a couple things to answer that question one we don't really know the last time frieza's had to get into a real fight if you think about it you know There's so many tiers of people who are so powerful. When's the last time Frieza's really had to get his hands dirty? He's been able to get Zarbon or Dodoria or the Ginyu Force or Kui or one of the Saiyans to do his dirty work for him. That would
1: be a good argument if we haven't seen him being situationally aware in previous fights.
0: We've seen him being minimally situationally aware in previous fights. But he's never really had... He's never had to really... Be super, super aware of what's going on because like just, the
1: giant ball in the sky
0: that's kind of floating there, and there's nothing there. Really, you know, Goku's purposely staying on the ground so he doesn't have any yes, reason but to look up.
1: He's fight like he's used to fighting in three dimensions. When he fights with Goku, he asks, "Do you want to fight on the ground or on the air?" Like he is used to thinking this way, and he lives in a world where a lot of the battles are energy blasts.
0: It's true, but that gets to the second point. <sighs> We've been told Frieza's a master of battle many times, but is he really... He's got a strong natural talent. He's very powerful. He's but not is he,
1: blind. But is he
0: as smart as he lets on?
1: Well, no, but he's not blind. It's 150 feet wide, and there are two guys next to him yelling, Wow, look at the thing in the sky. Better not tell Frieza there's a giant thing in the sky. Like, I'm
0: trying really hard for my no prize no, here. <laughs> you
1: don't get your no prize. This doesn't make sense.
0: <laughs> okay, what's your next question?
1: Does spirit move faster than light? Goku is calling spirit force from, like, all over the universe, and it's coming there in a matter of minutes. And, second part of the question, if it moves faster than light or at a relative speed that is incredibly fast, why doesn't he just have the spirit bomb hang out in the outer atmosphere so Frieza won't see it when it's hanging, like, 20 feet above his head?
0: I think that part of the reason why it doesn't, he can't get ga- he has to take time to gather just because it does have travel time
1: but not much
0: <clears throat> well i think that this thing is, this episode is inconsistent about how far he's pulling from cuz more than once they say i'm drawing from the entire universe. universe but we don't see that we just see him drawing from planet Namek and from the neighboring planets i mean
1: if you showed him gathering energy from the entire universe that would take a while I,
0: but still it's I'm not sure if I buy that he's actually pulling energy from the entire universe.
1: Could that be a translation thing?
0: It might be a translation thing. It might be a Toriyama not thinking things through thing. At the very least, I would say that there probably is a retcon later because the word universe actually ends up carrying a very specific connotation way further down the line in Dragon Ball Super. So he's definitely not drawing a spirit bomb from everybody in Universe 7. That's just not the case. Yeah but he only specifically calls out Namek and the the surrounding planets, because he's like, I pulled from Namek, now I even have to look at surrounding planets. And so I don't think he is actually pulling things from that far. I think he's just pulling from the the surrounding solar system. Um, That said, I don't know if we want to get into the relativistic speeds of spirits, Um, but obviously there's some kind of travel distance, because if it was instant, or if it was at the speed of light, he'd be able to gather it really quickly and he obviously doesn't
1: okay one last question and this might be asking deeper things than i want to but there was one line that was weird to me when i forget if it was krillin or gohan or piccolo said something about how how can he make a spirit bomb from namek there's not that much life on this planet yeah and granted a lot of namekians have gotten themselves murdered yeah but this is a gorgeous, verdant planet full of tons of fish and wildlife. Why? Why is this a problem?
0: Yeah, I think that... that, that uh, I forget who said that, too. But whoever said it uh, probably just yeah, wasn't thinking. And was thinking, well, the Namekians are dead. Who are you going to pull from? It's like, no, 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 you don't understand. It pulls from every individual blade of grass. Yeah. And And the grass and the trees... And the uh, apparently very Earth-like ladybugs and the Namekian derp fish and everything. It just, it draws energy from all forms of life on the planet. And so, yeah, I think that was just, again, to reiterate to the audience exactly how the spirit bomb works. Okay. It's not just beings who are intelligent enough to comprehend what's going on. It's not just sapient life forms. It is, it is any form of life.
1: Yeah.
0: And so, yeah, no, I think that was that was meant to be kind of a dumb question in-universe.
1: And one that I have kind of an explanation for, but I want to make sure. Um, King Kai was training Piccolo and Yamcha and all the rest. Yeah. In his, you know, in King Kai's planet. Why did King Kai never teach them the spirit bomb, especially when he knew they would be going up against Frieza?
0: Well, they weren't there for very long, they were only there for about a month. And if you remember how long it took Goku, I mean he spent a good amount of time just like chasing the monkey and trying right. to hit Gregory with the so it's very likely that they just didn't get that far along in their training okay. to learn the Kaioken and all that stuff. Also, we know the Kaioken at the very least puts a strong strain on the body. Uh so at the very least the humans probably couldn't learn it. I don't know but I mean I don't know about Piccolo, but I don't know if Yamcha or Tien or Chao could handle the Kaioken.
1: Well, he did specifically say that they were stronger than Goku when Goku first arrived.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, it's probably just a time factor. Okay. There have been many, many fans have lamented the fact that the, the the normies, so to speak, didn't come back from King Kai's Planet with the Kaioken. Yeah. Because that would have been a good way for them to stay relevant for a little bit longer if they could use the Kaioken to enhance their powers, or like you know, Yamchen, Tien could work together to form a spirit bomb or something. That could have made them relevant for longer, but alas, Toriyama just kind of wanted to write them out.
1: Okay. That's all my questions.
0: Okay, I have a couple of questions.
1: Okay.
0: Um, let's see. So, who's cooking when Luke leaves the diner? And so it's just Lorelai and Rory? And they
1: have specifically said that Caesar's gone. And they
0: specifically said Caesar's gone. Like, once again, who the fuck is cooking?
1: You know... Luke has a magic kitchen.
0: Luke must just have a magic kitchen. He's got like a magic Miyazaki kitchen that works itself. Or he got little. He's got those little soot sprites in the back. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah,
0: there you go. That's what it is.
1: Magic kitchen. Um, Next question.
0: Yeah. So uh yeah, not much material this week, no. huh? They just, they just didn't. They just really, their hearts weren't in it this week. They didn't. I don't know. They didn't have much. I thought I had another question. I wrote not much material this week, huh? Uh, that was a question I wrote down um yep yep that's that's uh yeah dementia town was out in full swing this week though yeah i haven't really we haven't really had a good dementia town episode but we this was a beautiful dementia town episode we had taylor like forming some kind of blood feud with the random like groovy guidance counselor guy over his farmer's market uh, and his
1: sexy squash
0: and his sexy squash and like sitting at the table at luke's clutching his coffee muttering about turnips
1: Kirk, who has apparently decided that the best way to get sugar is stealing packets from Luke's diner. Yeah,
0: sugar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kirk, who drinks quarter-calf coffee and takes seven equals so that he can stash some at home. I mean, that I can kind of understand, because, like, I'm sure you can go out and buy equal. But if you asked me where do you get equal, I would have said the diner. So maybe he doesn't know where to buy equal. Although he works at the market. Yeah, no, never mind. He works at the market. Kirk's just a weird man. A weird, sad man who never got to eat his Reese's Peanut Butter Cups and had a poor brain-traumatized dog from when Uncle Louie kicked it. And then just the the war reenactors doing their silly little thing. And
1: Harry the Twinkle Light Man. And Harry
0: the Twinkle Light Man. And so then when Harry the Twinkle Light Man retired, Taylor took the time at the town meeting to declare that day Harry the Twinkle Light Man from Harry's Twinkle Light Emporium Day in, in Stars Hollow I just it was it was just dementia town out in full there was just it was absurd
1: yeah but weirdly the person who was strangest this week was Emily.
0: Emily was a little strange this week yeah mm-hmm. I just don't I never would have pegged Emily for for ever saying oh let's do. Paper mache mushrooms with little people dressed as angels dancing underneath them. Like, even for, even knowing her audience, that would be a little passe for, for Emily. So, yeah, I know. Just, yeah, Emily was we- weirdly written this episode. She wasn't even flanderized. She was just. Weird. Weird. It was just a little, it was an off week for, for Emily. I don't know. A couple people had kind of off weeks this week. That's pretty much all I gotta say. Do we wanna swap anybody?
1: I, I actually, I think what I would have wanted to see was. Emily coming in to Goku and Frieza's battle. Goku, you look you look tired. Maybe you should do that spirit bomb thing. Now, I've got a nice spirit bomb organized from you. Now we're going to pull first from Earth and then come forward. Well... So it all arrives at the same time. Well, won't that take a while to get here? Nonsense. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Piccolo will handle that. Piccolo will handle that. Uh, Gohan, you start making the paper mache mushrooms to make up for the mushrooms that the spirit bomb took too much power from, so this planet will have mushrooms. Now, oh, what should the, I do, Miss Gilmore? Get the Namekian derp fish to dance.
0: <laughs> that was Krillin, by the way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I realize that my Krillin isn't actually Krillin. It's DBZ-abridged Krillin. So to to you might not actually know my Krillin. But that's my Krillin. Because <laughs> even though it doesn't actually sound like the actual Krillin. Yeah. That's the problem when you watch too much of that. Is you start to forget what the characters actually sound like. Okay. I I think... I would want to swap Frieza and Taylor Dosey again. Okay. I know we did that. I believe we did that last week. Or, or a couple weeks ago. I want to swap Frieza and Taylor Dosey again. Because I really want to see... Taylor Dosey reacting. Or no, I want to see Frieza reacting to the farmers market the same way he did to the Spirit Bomb, <laughs> of just seeing this. You know, like why are there no customers here? Who's running off asking me about Brussels sprouts? And then he walks outside and he just sees the farmers market. And says curse those dirty hippies, and has just resolved to to render this farmers market a and crater in the ground. For I am the greatest in the universe! And just be Frieza about that. I think it would be really funny. Okay. Yeah, that's quality. my that's my quality thing this week. Absolutely. We're going to yeah. need
1: to edit this one down. Yeah,
0: we had, uh, we had two kind of lackluster episodes this week, so I'm sorry if this is a kind of a lackluster episode of the we show. We also
1: moved. We haven't done this for a couple weeks.
0: Yeah, but hey, here it is. So, with that, I believe that's Gilmore Ball Z. So, thank you for listening. We'd love to hear from you on Facebook at Gilmore Ball Z. Our emails is GilmoreBallZ at gmail.com. Our WordPress is GilmoreBallZ.wordpress.com. Our Twitter is at GilmoreBallZ. We also have a subreddit, which is gilmoreballz and a Tumblr, which is gilmoreballz.tumblr.com. So please reach out to us, comment, rate, whatever, on any of those platforms. We love interacting with our fans, and we love hearing from you. You can also rate us. Please rate us on iTunes, on Facebook, wherever you get your podcasts. If you drop us a rating, that really does help us, and it's really nice to see people say nice things about our podcast. But with that, we will see you next week. So, what will Goku do now that the spirit bomb has been discovered? What will Jess do now that Rory seems to have discovered his softer side? And what will Babette do now that she's uh, seen the sexy squash? It's been a long couple weeks. Please forgive us. Find out next time on Gilmore Ball Z.